Hello, I'm Enrique Serna, and this is the KCTS 9 Digital Studios Podcast. So what is it like to be a Muslim in America these days, especially in the aftermath of the Paris terrorist attacks, the San Bernardino shooting rampage, and Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump's campaign announcement that he was, quote, calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what's going on. Of course, Trump's announcement drew plenty of outrage, even from Republican Party leaders like House Speaker Paul Ryan and former Vice President Dick Cheney. Trump, however, stands by his statement. So what is the reaction in the Muslim community locally? I reached out to the Washington Council on Islamic Relations and asked if the organization would provide me members of the Muslim community here in the Puget Sound area to talk about this. Two who agreed to join me are here now. Anila Afzali was born in Kabul, Afghanistan. Her family left Afghanistan when she was two years old to avoid the Russian invasion. She lived in Germany for three years before immigrating to the United States at the age of five. She is quite accomplished educationally and professionally, the first in her family to attend college, a Harvard Law School graduate who has worked for several prestigious firms over the years and is right now on a break from the legal world to further research and exploration of her faith. And she's currently in the process of learning Arabic and Islamic jurisprudence. Also here is Nehal Fahim. She is originally from Egypt. She now lives in Redmond. She's the coordinator of an Islamic preschool in the Redmond area. She is a mother of three daughters, ranging in age 13 to 7. Thank you both for being here. I appreciate it very much. Let's start with this. After the Paris terrorist incident, what was your reaction? Did you think maybe, okay, here we go again? Let's start with you, Anila. Um, I mean, at first, shock, right? Just like everybody else, there was a sense of shock. There was a sense of there's this horrible tragedy that happened. So feeling, um, um, feeling bad for the victims and the families of the victims and praying for them, in fact, uh, because of what had happened. Uh, and we Muslims go through something where anything like this happens. I mean, first off, Islam condemns any kind of violence like this. Any kind of terrorism is absolutely condemned by Islam. There's no question about that. But as Muslim Americans in particular, we get the double whammy because first off, the majority of victims of uh, any kind of these kinds of acts tend to be Muslim in the first place. So we have it from that end, but we also have it from the other end of the, rep the backlash to these kinds of instances. So there is that, that horrible feeling in your stomach where you're thinking through, oh my God, this is going to start another backlash, another wave of uh, attacks, Islamophobia, uh, horrible comments. And we've seen that today. And we've seen the increase in hate crimes against Muslims or anybody who looks Muslim. So we've seen all of that. And uh, at the same time, it's something that Absolutely. I mean, I've been learning a lot about Islam just in the past few years, and there's no doubt in my mind Islam stands against all of these kinds of things, and the people who act in the name of Islam to do horrible things, there are people of every faith who do that. They're wrong. No matter what faith they come from, killing is killing. Killing is wrong. Uh, so from a personal perspective and a faith perspective uh, and a professional perspective and everything else, this stuff is uh, horrible, and it's, it's been hurting all of us, right? And our hearts break for the victims of these kinds of uh, episodes. Yeah. I had the same reaction as Anila. I really felt bad for the victims, and I felt bad for them just the same way I feel bad for the Syrians that are killed every day that I hear about them in the news. 
Um, and I was watching the news closely and I was thinking, it's going to stop now, it's going to stop now. But then there was more, you know, there was more than one incident in Paris and more than one place. Um, and my first reaction was, this must not be Muslims, but then unfortunately they turned out to be from the ISIS. And as much as I know ISIS, in a lot of people's minds, it does represent Islam, it, do, it actually does not, because ISIS does not represent me, does not represent Islam, because like Anila said, Islam does not, Islam condemns violence. And in the Quran, God says, if you kill one soul, it's like killing everybody. And if you keep, make one soul live, it's like making everybody live. So this is not Islamic at all. And I had to talk to my kids and I wanted them to be ready. I don't want them to be um, scared, but I just want them to be cautious for just in case somebody harasses them. I just had to talk to them and say, you know, you don't need to be apologetic this does not represent you, so you don't need to be apologetic for those people. But you can defend yourself and say, I'm an active citizen here, I do my I do my job. The Constitution gives me freedom of expressing and practicing my religion. So I just wanted them to be ready with such an answer. How did they respond? Um, they didn't take it harshly. I think they took it pretty easy. Uh, they were like, why would people do this? Why would people kill other people? They didn't understand. That was more what they thought as, um, why would people do this? And that doesn't sound Islamic at all from what they've been taught. And, and what did they think when you were telling them that, you know, people may harass you, harass you or question you or say things that would be totally inappropriate? They were, I think they were okay. They kind of like were, yeah, we know what to say. We're kind of. <laughs> <laughs> they're young. <laughs> yeah, they're young. But they, you know, we, we try to raise them to be confident and we try to make them, you know, as I said, we try to make them cautious but not scared. So it's not like they're fearful or anything. I think they were more like, we can deal with this. Then on top of the Paris incident, then comes San Bernardino. And kind of the fallout from that. Then the comment from Donald Trump about uh, banning uh, Muslims from coming into the United States. Uh, talk about a whammy coming back, uh, you know, <laughs> triple whammy there too. After you heard those things, how did it make you feel? Oh, uh, I mean, Trump's comments in particular, uh, it's not the only one, first off. Obviously, we've had a lot of other Islamophobic comments as well. But those kinds of comments, from my perspective, I mean, there's, there's no basis for them. Uh, they're ridiculous. They go against the values of our America, of American values. They contradict what our country stands for and what all of us together, we're in this together. Uh, we're all united in this. And those kinds of comments continue to spread this fear and hatred and divisiveness. And I personally like to focus on the positive. Even from this bad experience of like Trump's comments, for example, what they have done is they have sparked people who've stood up and said, no, not in our name. You know, he does not represent our thought. We are with we stand with our Muslim neighbors. We've seen a lot of that actually in the community, both from our Christian and Jewish allies and even non uh, uh, non people of faith. They've stood up and come together. So as horrible as those comments are and as wrong as they are from an American perspective, from a Muslim perspective, from a human being perspective, as wrong 
as those comments are, they've actually galvanized people to stand together. And that has been a beautiful thing. And I personally like to focus on the positive and look at the, I'm, I'm very optimistic by nature. So I like to look at the positive and say, you know what, those were wrong. And, and he shouldn't be running for president. That's actually an, an insult to us uh, as Americans to have somebody like this running for president. Um, and that kind of speech, that kind of vitriolic, hateful speech is what leads to some horrible things that we've seen in history. And unfortunately, it seems we haven't learned the lessons of history, whether it was Nazi Germany or whether it was the genocides in Rwanda or, or anywhere else. We have these things that have happened, and it's always been fueled initially by this kind of incitement, this kind of hateful speech. And we see it now. But at the same time, I love seeing people coming together. I love seeing people coming together as we have and uniting. And as much as, you know, even as a Muslim community, perhaps what we've been is not really forward out in the community, interacting enough, talking enough, getting people working together, building these uh, relationships and allies that we need. And something like this, I mean, we've had so many requests from Christians, Jews, and other people asking for us to say, hey, we want to stand with you. You know, we want to do something. We want to learn about Islam, whatever it may be. So there's steps that we can take. And I like to look at this as an opportunity, as bad as those instances are, those uh, events have been. You know, it's been really hard. On a personal level, it has been hard. It's hard to face every single day with these kinds of things and the looks you get just wearing hijab. Well, I was going to ask you, both of you have your heads covered. Um, and as you walk down the street every day, they're going to a grocery store, whatever you're doing. Um, what is that like? So um, I, get, um, I get a lot of positives from people. In fact, um, I get people who get out of the way to smile in my face and tell me hi, uh, which is wonderful. And I get these, you know, weird looks sometimes, but I don't pay too much attention to them. I just think that people are having a bad day. It's their own problem, but it's not my problem. <laughs> so, um, and I try to instill this positive, you know, outlook to my kids too. Um, I try, um, if there's anything negative, which I didn't expose to, I just try not to engage into it um, at all. This is what I teach myself or I keep telling myself. But um, I wanted to also, uh, you know, um, say something, you know, um, Anila was saying something good. And, um, and what Trump's comments have, um, you know, what they do is they put, you know, like you said, they feed hate with hate. And that's kind of like, instead of us fighting ISIS, we're just giving them, a, you know, a way in. We're giving them more of their argument. When you look historically, in fact, when I look back in history, on the American history, and I find that there were hate messages against African Americans. There were hate messages against the Japanese in World War II. But if you look back in history, you know, America has overcome their shortcomings. And Americans have gone beyond this and now we are in a you know we're in a society equal where we treat you know blacks equally and everybody is fair well theoretically everybody we're fair to we everybody to. Yeah, yeah we try to at least so we don't we don't encourage these hate messages so i think i think i'm actually optimistic <laughs> to believe it or not i'm optimistic uh, that we will get over this and um this is just a you know, a, a bump on the road and we'll, we'll be better, you know, later on. And like Anila said, I think the Muslim community is getting into together to get into the community. To share the story. Yeah. And to help in the community and being part of it to kind of show what we really are, that we really care. And we do. The fact that we haven't been before, 
has been because we were kind of like insiders more, but now we're getting out there. So I think it's a positive thing. Fear is, seems to be the thing that comes about with all of this strongly. Have you felt fear? Personally? Yeah. Uh, sure. I mean, I think anybody who has family who cares about anybody else, for that matter, is going to have some level of fear. And, you know, the, the definition of courage is not to not have fear, but to be able to still stand despite that fear. And I think that's been true for me. And like I said, I use these kinds of events. I see the opportunity in them, and I try to rise above the fear and just have my faith has actually helped me in that process, right, to re remain strong in my faith and not just my own personal religious faith, but also my faith in humanity, my faith in my American peers, right? Just the amount of support we've seen has been a beautiful thing. And, you know, you have that fear when you walk out sometimes in hijab, right, and you see it around you. Uh, and you see, like Nahal was saying, the, the people's looks and comments and things like that. But I don't know, I guess, again, because of maybe my optimism or something, my Islam teaches us such a strong sense of optimism that I just, I don't even hear those sometimes. Like, I know people are saying things, and sometimes I'll catch some of it, but I forget it right away. And instead, I remember the instances of people who will make things like, one time I, I prayed, because we pray five times a day, right? So I prayed one time, and I asked somebody sitting next, who was sitting next to me, is it okay if I pray here? And she said, uh, sure, go ahead. And while I was in the middle of prayer, her son comes and starts, you know, asking questions like, what is she doing? And, and has a very sort of uh, accusative almost or questioning kind of approach. Uh, and her response, I just remember this is beautiful. And I'm in my prayer, so I should be focused on my <laughs> prayer. But it's hard not to uh, hear this. And, and she tells her son, you know, you've seen mommy pray, and this is just another way to pray. And I That's thought it was nice. the most beautiful kind nice. of response, and it just warmed my heart. Those are the kinds of things. I never got a chance to talk to her because I had to leave right away, and, and we didn't get to communicate afterwards. But it's those kinds of things that stay with me. That's what I remember. That's what I hold on to, even during these difficult times. And, and another comment is, um, it's not just that we Muslims have not been active. It's like we haven't been active on this issue necessarily or in these times because we're integrated in the community, right? Like I said, I've been a lawyer. My sister's a doctor. My, you know, I have a software engineer brother. I have a real sister. I have, you yes. know, all of these uh, people, a teacher in my family. So we've been busy doing the same things that every other American is busy doing. But things like this do force us to say, you know what, we need to stand up and actually share a little bit about our faith. Because I tell you, the more people learn about Islam, the more we see how similar we human beings are, especially people of faith. We have so much in common. I've been saying it's us, two U's and two S's. So understand, unite, share and serve. That's sort of nice. been the motto that I've been following, and that's really what we need to do, is we need to learn to understand each other. We need to unite, come together on our commonalities, use those as bridges, and then also share with each other, because we can't just, when we learn about something, just hold on to it. We have to share with other people to spread the message of love, compassion, mercy, you know, commonality, and then also serve, because that's ultimately, it's about service. You can't just hold on to that knowledge. You need to actually go out and do something with it. So that is a service to the community, helping other people. What is it like to be Muslim? What does it mean to be Muslim? It's very simple. It means that you believe in one God, you believe in the messengers, you believe in the books, in the holy books, all of them. You, you pray five times a day, you fast Ramadan, you pay charity, um, you go for Hajj once in your lifetime. It means that you're part of the community, you do your best to serve everybody and to be helpful to everybody and you just enjoy your life just as anyone else, and you make sure that what you're doing actually pleases Allah. And for you? Um, I would say you worship our Creator by serving creation. 
you seek knowledge, which is incumbent on every single Muslim, man or woman, and you live your life according to the highest standards of integrity and ethics. And practically, you know, you see this in different instances. I recently just had an episode where me and my dad went and bought two bags of pomegranates, uh, and we had bought eight of them, but the person only charged us for two, you know, one in each bag. It was a mistake. Uh, and I went home and I realized that, and I'm like, whoa. And my, me and my dad were both like, wow, they completely undercharged us, right? Because pomegranates are expensive. So I actually drove back to the store and took the receipt and said, hey, look, you know, we had bought this many pomegranates. You know, my religion does not allow me to hold on to this. I have to come back and tell you. That's sort of the practical application of it. They were shocked. They were surprised that I would do something like that. But that's sort of what Islam means in application. It's something like that. Do you feel that you talked about the fact that people in the community, in your community, they haven't gotten out there to really explain enough about who they are, what their faith and the culture are all about? Is that going to be even more important now in trying to help people to understand and to reduce fear? Absolutely. There's no question about that. I think the reality is a lot of people know Muslims, but they don't know that they are Muslims, right? Like, I think we all know doctors. You look at these last names, it's pretty obvious some of these are Muslim last names or whatever other professions there may be in. But you're right. Like, we have not actively put our faith out there so much. And there's different levels of faith, right? There are different levels of involvement in the faith and practicing of the faith. But I think what unites us is we are all Muslim. We do believe in sort of one God, the sense of monotheism, true monotheism and belief in all the prophets, peace be upon all of them. But I think it is going to be incumbent on us to now stand up and say, yes, I am Muslim. And even if we're not Muslim, to stand up and say, yes, I support Muslims or I support anybody who is victimized in this kind of way, in a way that contradicts American values. So I think as Americans, we need to stand up more often and just speak out in that way, because there are so many Muslims integrated in American life in so many different ways. You look at celebrities, you look at sports stars, you look at politicians, you look at, you know, whatever area you look at, there's American Muslims everywhere. And most people are probably being serviced in some way, whether it's by doctors, nurses, teachers, some way who are Muslim as well. But I agree with you, Enrique, that we really need to make that stand out more so people recognize that they do know Muslims and we're just like everybody else. We believe in the same American values. We believe in the same way of achieving our dreams, hopes and dreams, and we deserve the same opportunities that everybody else deserves. You are Americans. Absolutely. (laughs) And my kids, that's what my kids are. If you ask my kids, what's your country? They would say we're Americans because that's the only place that they knew since they were born. It's true we go back home, you know, back to Egypt, you know, maybe every year or so, but still, this is where they live. This is where their friends are. This is where their connections are. This is where their life is. I'm talking with Anila Avzali and Nihal Fahim. They are Muslim. They live here in the Seattle area. We're talking about really the fallout of what has happened since the Paris terrorist attacks, as well as the San Bernardino incident and the comments by Donald Trump, but also trying to bring some understanding to uh, the Muslim community that maybe is lacking at this point in time, and also trying to understand what you as Muslims are going through in in these, these times when I think there is just so much fear out there. One thing, Nahal, that you said uh, that you felt that this time was, was even harder than 9-11. Why? Right now, the events are happening one after the other. Sometimes I think, okay, that's going to happen. Okay, nothing else. Like even in Paris shootings, there was more than one place and they came, you know, you, you, found, you heard about one and you'd say, okay, that's it. This is the last one. And then 
another one would come, and then another one would come, and then Paris went by, and then a week later, San Bernardino happened, and and then you know Trump made these comments, and so it doesn't look like um, it looks like it's everything is still fresh in people's memories. This idea that you know extreme elements have developed in response to some of these, I agree. I think that is true. At the same time. I guess I'm not as pessimistic about it. I do believe that people still make a choice to join these kinds of organizations. And I think our role is really, as a Muslim community, to really raise awareness, especially among the youth, because you don't have sort of older people joining. This is youth who are naive, who might not know better, uh, who usually are not even practicing Muslims. Like, most of the people who are involved in these kinds of things don't go to mosques. Like, in fact, going to mosques, people who are part of a mosque feel more tied to the community and better understand Islam, and they would never do these kinds of things in the supposed name of Islam. Uh, so there's that element of it. I think American Muslims, and I think Muslims around the world, world have been good about coming out and saying this is absolutely nothing to do with Islam. In fact, there was a letter written by the scholars of the world, Muslim scholars around the world, and I don't even know how many of them signed on to this, but the highest level of scholars, they sent a letter to al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, I call it Daesh for different reasons, we can go into that, but uh, head of Daesh, uh, they uh, they sent a letter to them identifying all the things wrong with what they're doing, their ideology, you know, Islam does not support killing innocents, Islam is against this uh, emphatically denying everything and renouncing everything that they're doing. And you see this everywhere. I, I hear it in, in our Friday sermons, you know, in different mosques all around the country. People are standing against these kinds of actions done in the name of Islam, but that never gets publicity. You never hear about, or you never hear enough about that. What we do hear about is when people engage in this kind of action and they happen to be Muslim or call themselves Muslim, that fact is highlighted in the news, in the media. So it's spread, it, because it fits part of our narrative or our, you know, our own stereotypes. Well, someone's about, narrative. Someone's narrative, that's right. Yeah, Somebody's yeah. narrative uh, and, and a lot of people's stereotypes. But then when you have other things, you know, we were talking earlier about the, the Planned Parenthood attack or the whole host of other attacks in this country. The one in Portland. There Absolutely. Was a shooting in right. Portland College. Yeah. You have all of these other instances. Um, uh, you know, North Carolina as well. The person who went in and killed three Muslim, you know, stars basically. Uh, those kinds of things it never gets highlighted. The religion of the person, or or no religion, even if it's an atheist. Those things don't get highlighted as much. So the media attention has certainly been uh, a factor in all of this. But the actual number who support ISIS or who support anything like this is extremely small, especially in the U.S. Uh, or in Western countries, and even in, in uh, Middle Eastern countries. That's why they call them Daesh. Daesh is almost a derogatory term for ISIS, and ISIS hates it when they're called Daesh. That's why I actually encourage all of your listeners, Enrique, and, and everybody Daesh. else, Daesh, yes, Daesh. to refer to them as Daesh, which in the Arabic, it, it, it's, it's an acronym of their name in Arabic, mm. but it also means somebody who tramples on others. You know, it has this negative connotation, and I think that's far more accurate to use in reference to this organization than something like ISIS, which gives them some sense of legitimacy, because they're not Islamic in any shape, way, or form. So to call them the Islamic State or anything remotely close to that is is in unjust in and of itself. So Daesh is perfect. Is for that. there an effort in your mosque, Nihal, in in the mosque locally, to try to, I guess, to focus on any concern about somebody that may be trying to cause a problem or bring, you know, uh, some type of message that is not what Islam is all about. Because I know that uh, uh, you know the authorities have said ask the Muslim community to speak be up. yeah to speak up 
and to and to let us know if anything is going on that we need to be aware of. Is that happening? I'm certain that they're doing something. I don't know what it is, but in our mosque, there is very unlikely you can find somebody who is has any sympathy. Yeah, who has empathy. the least empathy or sympathy towards what ISIS is doing, just because or Daesh, like Anila said, just because uh, we all we all do believe that they don't represent us. They are not part of us. But on the other hand, our mosque is making a lot of efforts to clear some misconceptions that are in the community towards Muslims. So we have we have a lot of interfaith activities that are going on between the mosque and different churches and synagogues or temples to have uh, the interfaith dialogues and we invite them to the mosque every year for Ramadan. You should come too. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to. Yeah. And um, and we also have um, we have we have the we have converts you know we have a meeting for, with converts you know you know people who have converted to Islam and they're being their friends and and everybody anybody is welcome to the mosque to come and um, you know have some food and have a talk so we do a lot of activities to clear some misconceptions and the misconceptions is I think our biggest enemy if we want to say. The biggest enemy of Muslims in the American community, and misinformation. That yeah, is and misinformation. Exactly. Yeah, is there one issue of misinformation that you would like to clear up here that you think is probably being uh, misrepresented? Overrated. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, what I would like to clear up is just Muslim Americans are just like other Americans. <laughs> There's a sense of trying to create the other or the sense of divide and conquer or you know, create fear or spread fear. And at the end of the day, we're just like everybody else. We, we have the same dreams, the same visions, the same goals. We try to pursue our life in the same way. Uh, like I said, maybe sometimes we need a higher standard of ethics and integrity. But at the same time, we're the same. We're Americans. We're just like everybody else. And we want the same things. And we stand with America against anything that affects our security. And that's actually part of the reason that I think more people should be standing against what Trump and all of them are saying, because as Nahal was saying earlier, that feeds into this fear. That creates exactly what these kinds of organizations like Daesh want. They want people to think that, oh my God, Muslim and America cannot stand you know, together, therefore all Muslims should go support them. And it's like, no, that's ridiculous. And in terms of what we're doing in the mosques, we have the Muslim Association of Puget Sound, and I know other mosques as well, that I've been to, uh, they've stood out in any opportunity. We've had special speakers come in and talk about these kinds of issues. We've had the, the Friday sermons. Uh, you get it even yesterday, there was a, a halakha, like a little get together, and the imam spoke at that and mentioned these same kinds of things. The problem, Enrique, is that the people, like I said before, the people who go to the mosque, the people who are involved in religion, the people who know religion, they know that these kinds of violent actions are not in the name of religion. They understand that. Unfortunately, what's happening is people are getting, to the extent it's even happening. It's a very small percentage, if any, or, or if any here in the uh, Seattle area or in America generally. The things that are happening is happening online in chat rooms by people who are not really Muslim, who don't really have a sense of Muslim identity, who are, not in, who are not practicing, who are not integrated in society. These are the same people who will fall victim to gangs. If people go try to get them to join a gang, those are the people they're going to get. It's not the people who are in the mosques. It's not the people who are practicing, not the people who are wearing hijab, going around living their lives, everyday lives as Americans. So don't misunderstand the true believers and those who are the actual practitioners of your faith. I think what I really love about this country 
And um, I love a lot of things about this country, but one of the main things I love about this country is the freedom and the freedom which is instilled by the Constitution. So I am a big fan of freedom of expression, freedom of practicing your religion. And that's how I raise my kids. And that's the reason why we're, that's one of the main reasons why we're here, because I love the fact that I can say what I can with respect to others, you know, respecting others. And, um, and I, yeah, and we're just here to do our job as American citizens, you know, getting this country be better and, um, you know, making all our lives better, serving the community. Do you want people to come to a mosque? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. To understand, Without to guns. <laughs> well, they, without guns? I would hope so. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have had attacks at mosques around the country, yes. right? Yeah. So, that is unfortunate. Yeah, so there is a fear that Muslims have about that as well. Um, unfortunately, we've had hate graffiti and, and just different things at different places around the, the country, including the Northwest, unfortunately. We had the taxi driver who was assaulted, physically beat up right. and everything, and things a, like that. Yeah, there was a, a woman, my daughter was reading to me, she was reading from her Instagram account, somebody was posting it. There was a, there was a lot of incidents that happened um, in the U.S., unfortunately. It's unfortunate that, number one, you have to worry about these things. Yep. And number two, that they are happening. But hopefully through conversations like this and other dialogue, it will open some minds and get people to think a little bit about who are Muslims and what your faith is all about. Any last word that you want to leave people with here? I want to encourage people to actually, don't just sit back. This is the kind of instance where if you don't stand up and speak and connect and, and unite, we're allowing these other people who are extremists of any kind, Trump being one of them in my mind, we're allowing them to sort of dictate the direction that America is going to go in. And that's wrong. We, we need to learn the lessons from history. These kinds of hateful rhetoric leads to horrible action. And it's our time now to stand strong, learn about each other. Like you said, absolutely people should visit mosques if they never have. I actually set up email just for people to do this if they want to. Really? I couldn't come up with anything else, but I'm a huge Seahawks fan, so it's <laughs> muslimseahawk at gmail.com. Anybody who wants to can send an email. I will accompany them to our mosque here, Maps in Redmond, or other mosques that are convenient to them. They absolutely should visit mosques. They should learn about Islam. They can read the Quran, or they can just, most importantly, they can just talk to fellow Muslims. This is the time to act. And if we don't act now, then we may all regret it, not just Muslims, but all of us, because it will change our culture of America if we don't act now. Well, I thank you for taking the time to answer my questions and to share your feelings. Thank uh, you for yeah. giving us the opportunity. Oh, yeah. my Definitely appreciate you doing something like this. My pleasure, actually. My pleasure a lot. Anila Avzali and Nihal Fihim, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And this has been the KCTS 9 Digital Studios Podcast. I'm Enrique Serna, and we'll talk more next time.